There was an idea. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I'm for the faster, baby. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I am being joined by the boys. We've got Peaches here. We've got Chris here. Gentlemen. Being joined by the boys. We've got Huey here. Yeah, we've, we've got, got Mother's Milk. <laughs> Butcher. Uh, Billy. I, I apologize for the uh, the cadence of this episode. We just had, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but we're going to talk about it. We just had a delicious meal at this like conveyor belt sushi place that opened by Peach's house. <laughs> and You w- just called me Peaches, but I think for the purpose of how much fish we just ate, you should call me Aquariums <laughs> for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I'm not going to remember that. Oh, that's Does fine. that imply that you normally eat like just a peach? Yeah, my, that's actually the secret is that my diet is fully peaches normally i just eat peaches for every meal uh yeah that was delicious and i'm, in a, I'm about to be in a food coma so i apologize mm-hmm. but today we get the pleasure of talking about not one but two episodes of she hulk bogo bogo she hulk we're gonna start with episode seven the retreat written by zeb wells and directed by anu valia yeah thanks hurricane ian I know. Uh, yeah, I guess we should say that. I real hope quick. y'all yeah. are safe and and everything out there, and there was no real damage. Yeah, uh, we thankfully, since we you guys know that we all now live in Central Florida, uh, we're all safe. We were all very safe from the hurricane. So if anybody was worrying, we're all good. We're all okay here. Um, but you know, thoughts and prayers out to anybody who was like affected, and you know, like the St. Augustine, Fort Myers area. Those not St. Augustine, Fort Myers. Some of that um, stuff looked really rough. Yeah, yeah, it looked really, really bad. Yeah, it was. It's a bad one. Fortunately, it was just a lot of heavy wind and rain over here, and the uh, the streets of my apartment complex were just lined with branches. Yeah, it was mostly most of the damage was just lots of foliage. Yep. There's a tree outside my apartment that is tilted at a 45 degree angle. And people keep parking underneath it, and I don't understand why. That's really that's that terrifying. seems really risky. It's, terrifying. it's that's a reserved you know. spot, so the guy must be like, "This is my spot. I don't care." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Where else am I supposed to park?" You know, a tree at a forty-five, you probably climb that a lot easier. Yeah, you, you don't just even have to walk climb. Right up. You just, yeah, it's yeah. like just a very steep incline. That tree you can... at a forty-five is my favorite Nickelback song. <laughs> 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 Look at this tree. <laughs> The angle's really confusing me. <laughs> How did it get so bent? <laughs> what the hell is on Joey's head? <laughs> oh, it's the tree. The tree just fell. It fell on Joey. The tree fell on Joey's head. <laughs> uh, we're also going to be talking about episode eight. <laughs> Uh, which is Ribbit and Rip It, written by Cody Ziegler and directed a, by Kat Corro. Oh, what a great name. I agree. <laughs> uh, listeners, I know that you have 
already watched that episode of She-Hulk at this point. But if you didn't watch the teaser trailer for the ep- the eighth episode of She-Hulk, go find it on the internet because it's really funny. It's like a bunch of scenes of um, Tatiana and Ginger and um, Mark Ruffalo auditioning to play as uh, Leapfrog. And it's great. It's just really funny, and there's a there's a fun line that I just spoiled for you. At the that's end. also I had thought about that, but that's an interesting thread that has not been talked about for the rest of this show. Was what happened to to Bruce? He like gets in a spaceship, and he's like, "I gotta go do space things," and then he takes off. And yeah, I wonder if he'll be back in the last episode. I feel like he must come back at least a little bit, unless his story is fully wrapped up, and now he's just in space. But it's weird when you go back and think about the fact that he was not going to be in episode one. Yeah. And he was going to be at the end when we also just got Daredevil. That would have been a lot to cram in. Yeah. One Maybe those episode. were. No, it doesn't make sense for those to be flipped around. No. So. I don't know. Yeah. But weird. episode seven, The Retreat. Once again, thank you to the wonderful, incredible. Uh, fantastic Rachel Page over at Marvel.com for writing the synopsis. We love you, Rachel. Jennifer Walters is absolutely over the moon. I'm trying to do my best uh, start Rachel of... Rachel Page? No, I'm trying to do my best start of uh, Legend of Korra voice. Jennifer Walters is absolutely over the moon for this new guy in her life, Josh, and it cannot be stressed enough that he likes Jen for Jen. He doesn't like her because of She-Hulk. I'm going to stop doing that. I bet you can't do that the whole episode. I cannot. <laughs> You're right. You won the bet. Can't and won't. <laughs> this is what she's been looking for this whole time and couldn't be happier. Jen bustles around her apartment getting ready for their date, including taking one shot for courage. Every day I'm bustling. When Josh comes to pick her up, he's a dream. Their date is full of lots of talking and laughter, but no goodnight kiss, at least not yet. At work, she's texting him under the table about milkshake and fries, and when they meet up later, the duo have the most marvelous time together, but still no goodnight kiss. Immediately after shutting the door behind her, Jen realizes this is a mistake a little too late, and by the time she opens her front door again, Josh is already gone. It isn't until the third date, at a drive-in, that she finally lets him inside. (laughs) What the fuck, man? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just reading this. You can't script. just glare at me and pause after that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading it and then pausing for dramatic effect. Did Rachel Page pause for dramatic effect? There is a line there. Okay. And then it says, and duh, they kiss. Ah. They do more than kiss. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, that's what she said. It's written. It oh. Says, it's, it's written, they do more than kiss. Oh. Anybody can oh. can fact check me on here. You can go to marvel.com, read the synopsis with me. <laughs> that is what it says. I'm just reading it verbatim. Rachel. With my own liberties as far as <laughs> possible. <laughs> that was a bad tongue roll. I'm very full of fish. That's what I'm using. Does eating fish yes, full of more disable than fish. your tongue? <laughs> I'm using that as my excuse. Leave me alone. Get Friday, all the way off my back. Friday morning, Jen wakes up to find that Josh has already left in the morning. She texts him about how much fun she had the night before. She can't stop smiling. When he doesn't respond right away, she starts to text him again before stopping herself. Play it cool, Jennifer. At work, Nikki is thrilled to learn that Jen has been nominated for Female Lawyer of the Year. But Nikki quickly realizes that Jen is not paying attention to her. Is she looking up intelligentsia? Jen explains that she's waiting for Josh to text her back, and Nikki reminds her not to do anything stupid for the first 12 hours after a new hookup. I hate those stupid dating rules. are so stupid. 
You know, everyone has their own stupid dating rules. I hope all of you know that. Everyone has their own dumb... Oh, you, it's like it's like you the... You hear that, you idiots? Yeah, you can't get in the <laughs> you, pool 20 minutes until 20 minutes after you eat, which is probably actually legitimate. But the dating is like, oh, you can't text them for three days. Oh, you can't do this for this amount of time. Oh, the you can't be the one to initiate. They have to be the... If they wanted to, they would. Everybody shut up. Sorry. <laughs> I got on a little soapbox. Do you have strong feelings about dating right now? Is that... I have strong feelings about specific things <laughs> there are things that i get on a soapbox for pretty quickly yeah like the pronunciation of graphics interchange format no you did it just fine <laughs> that was great thanks <laughs> no notes <laughs> <laughs> but then saturday rolls around and still no text from josh jen glares into the blank abyss in front of her waiting for something anything to happen she keeps her phone glued to her at every second even while watching the great muppet caper Good choice. And when her phone bu- does buzz, she's dismayed to see it's not Josh. What the heck? Peach. You've already started. You you've already like you, my little appetizer. You got there. Yeah. So let's let's just go all the way. Yeah, that was my little appetizer. I'm gonna let you inside so you can say your piece about this. Let that sink in. I am the sink. I'm the dishwasher. Okay. <laughs> say your peach. So, <laughs> I'm peach. Uh yeah. Sometimes, I love this show. I don't think I've had a lot of bad things to say about this show, so I'm prefacing it with that because I don't think this is a bad thing, but there are times when this show nails real-life aspects way too well, and I already talked about that um, when she had, in the episode where she was you know, on the dating apps for a lot of the episode. Um but this whole thing when like you have become interested in a person and you're waiting on their text message and you're looking at your phone like every other second, like exactly how she played it, exactly how this was written and directed is like so, it is one of the most accurate things in the MCU <laughs> to how real life works when you're just waiting for that text from somebody. It doesn't even have to be romantic. If you're waiting on a text you're waiting on something on your phone to pop up. Maybe you're waiting on an Amazon delivery. I don't know. Whatever you're waiting on, and it's like you just instinctively pick up your phone and look at it, and nothing's on the phone, and you put it down, and you go back to what you were doing for all of maybe 20 seconds before impulsively you're like, let me look at the phone again. Like, it's it's probably an anxious attach- attachment style thing. Sure, probably, but like... Sometimes I feel like I'm under attack <laughs> on this show because I've been in this seat. Like I've been in this seat before, and it sucks. It sucks so much. So I, I like extra feel for Jen in this episode because being in that situation where you're like waiting forever for like a simple. She has a line in an earlier scene when she's talking to Nikki, um, when they're talking about waiting on the text, and she says. In this day and age, there's no reason somebody can't respond to a text. And I can't tell you how often I agree with that. Now, asterisk, because there are definitely times, objectively, when you can't respond to a text, right? Like, there are things that you can do outside of it, and nobody owes you their communication. If they don't want to talk to you, they're not going to talk to you. It is what it is. But at the same time, it is a very simple thing to do. We all have... I almost think, too, and maybe this is a completely different but similar soapbox, 
is I think part of the responsibility of having a phone and giving your number to people in your life is that you are expected if you're communicated with to communicate back. Like that's almost a responsibility thing where it's like what kind of friend or colleague or whatever are you if you're just like sitting there letting messages build up. I'm not saying that makes you a bad person. It just kind of sucks. You know, like it, at to some degree, it's irresponsible to like leave your people on red. And in this particular case in the episode, there's a very awful reason for it. Um, but either way, it just sucks, you know. Anyway, I think that's my soapbox for this string of episodes. Do you guys? <laughs> I don't even need to ask if you guys feel the same way. Chris, because... how long have you been married? Three years. I've been married for five. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't just about dating. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you text me and you're like, hey, we got to record the podcast tonight. Can we come to your place to do it? And I leave you on red for three hours. That's kind of fucked up, right? That sucks. You're right. You're. Right. It does yes. suck. Yeah, you're like waiting for me to respond so you know what you're doing with the rest of your night. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out right now, Cody, friend of the show, my buddy. <laughs> he we had made plans. We we're like he texts me early in the morning. He's like, "Hey, do you want to play some Destiny tonight?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, I'm there." Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock rolls around. No Cody. Nine o'clock rolls around. No Cody. I sent him a text message. Eyes emoji. What's going on? 10 o'clock, no Cody. Oh, 11 o'clock, Cody. no Cody. Cody, oh, no. nowhere to be found. This morning I get a text. He's like, hey, buddy, I fell asleep on the couch. I was like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is fine, yeah. but I know what you mean. And I'm saying like there are that's definitely situations. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are situations where it's completely reasonable and there's nothing wrong with, at the end of the day, like, again, nobody owes you their communication. It doesn't make it suck less sure. in certain cases. Sure. You know, it doesn't make it feel less bad until you know why you weren't communicated with. Definitely. Well, come Sunday, she's awoken by a phone call, but it's not Josh. It's Emil's parole officer. They've got an alert on his inhibitor. They need to go check on him. But since his parole officer, Chuck, doesn't have backup, he's wondering if Jen might go with him in case the abomination comes out to play. Not exactly what Jen wanted to do on Sunday, but okay. It sounded like she had anything else planned. This is a direct dig at you, Josh. Driving up to Emil's retreat, <laughs> Summer Twilights, Jen constantly checks her phone for updates, but there's nothing. Nada. Is there anything Zip. unique to Abomination about that name? Not to my knowledge. Okay. But that doesn't mean that there isn't. It just means I didn't do any research. Okay. Yeah, same. I wasn't sure if you knew something I yeah, didn't. Canonically, he's a really big fan of the Twilight movies, but he only <laughs> watches them in the summer. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's the season for Twilight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like the poster in the background. I don't know if you noticed this, Chris. Eduardo and I noticed it when we rewatched today. He did notice it. Okay. Well, there's a poster in the back that you might bring up later. He will. Based Perhaps. on what you're saying. Yes. What, the facial expressions you're giving <laughs> I me? I think I know exactly which post you're talking about. Yeah, I didn't look is. at the notes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going to back it up. I'm going to Mack truck out of here. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Beep. Ar- <laughs> arriving at Summer Twilights, Chuck suggests that Jen put on her green suit just in case. So inside, Chuck and She-Hulk talk to Emil. He explains that he got too close to an electric fence trying to save his favorite chicken, and that's probably what happened. Chuck recalibrates his inhibitor, and that was the easy peasy. Time to go home. I said that super weird. One thing I do really <laughs> like about this show is that, and we have one episode left. It could change, 
But I do really like that Emil was just rehabilitated. He's yeah. just he did his time. He 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 found he he changed. He became a better person, and now he like. And every time they're like, "Oh, what if he does it again?" He's like, "No, I'm good." Like, this is not everyone is just like branded and a villain for their entire lives just because they make you know. People can do bad things. People can make mistakes, but as long as they're willing to like learn from them and actually try to be better, I think that's sending the correct message. Because too often we're like, oh. You know, he says he's good, but really he's still evil. You know what I mean? Like that kind of tropey yeah. stuff. And I think that sends sort of the wrong message of how we treat. I mean, I'm going to get into a whole thing about the criminal justice system in the United States of America and <laughs> the way that we treat criminals. But, talking about you know. Hellblock horror? Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is nice to see that portrayed that way for a change. I agree. That's not something we see enough in superhero movies right. uh, and shows in particular. It does happen sometimes in the comics, but those are also things where you usually have a lot more time to deal with that. And the movies generally just kind of move on. So it's nice to see that that happening here. I, re- I really like that. And I hope that they're not going to pull a fast one on us. I feel like there's already enough villains in this show that it would... I mean, I said that about Josh too, so maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like... If they, if he also turned on his heel with that, there would just be too much going on because there's only one episode left, and I maybe it won't be more than half an hour because it's the finale, but it would it would feel odd to me if it was like intelligentsia and whoever that entails yeah. plus also the abomination. Is it turned on his heel or is it turned heel? I don't know. Turned heel means become a bad guy. Yeah, I'm, no, that I'm worried. But I'm, I'm but, like, but turned on your heel to, means to do a 180. Yeah, so, so that yeah. like they like both make sense, right? Yeah, it's called the Xbox 360 because you look at it, you do a 360, and you walk away. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> there are people that listen to us regularly that are not going to know that that's a meme, and they're going to call me an idiot. <laughs> In the You're Discord. An idiot. I'm an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> Chuck peels it out of the summer twilight's driveway while Jen stays behind to walk out with Emil. Not wanting to waste any more time there, she says her goodbyes to him and heads to her car when suddenly, out of nowhere, a bull and a matador come charging at her car. Okay, it's actually El Aguila and Man Bull. He's a weird science experiment. Don't ask. The two introduce themselves to Jen, but she'd much rather they apologize to her car with money, which is now destroyed. Emil C. explains that these two men are just working (laughs) through some deep-seated identity issues, and what they're doing is perfectly fine and healthy. Jen is more focused on her totaled car. Emil can't help but wonder if life has presented an opportunity to Jen here, and maybe she shouldn't be in such a hurry to get back home. The mechanic won't be able to get there until later this afternoon, which now means Jen has time to kill at summer twilights. Whoa. Oh, also, there's no cell phone reception or Wi-Fi. Sounded really horror movie the way you said that. Well, this is absolutely Jen's nightmare. Time to kill at summer twilight. 2023. Emil walks Jen to their ceremonial sweat lodge, (laughs) but Jen is not sweating it out in a yurt today. She is determined to find reception bars. Wandering around the grounds, she tries her hardest to find any sign of service when she stumbles around a building on the edge of the property. One bar. Heading inside, Jen quickly discovers that she's disrupting one of Emil's talking circles. 
Man Bull and an Aguilar are there, along with Porcupine. He's a porcupine. And Saracen, a vampire. <laughs> we should also quickly mention that El Aguila is a, another mutant that has been introduced yep. into the uh, the MCU. Yeah, he uh, originally appeared in a Luke Cage and Iron Fist, I think, comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he hasn't been in much. The, all these guys are pretty obscure. Uh, all Mar- of them Marvel are real villains. But they yeah. are real. Yeah, they're all real Marvel villains. Porcupine has actually a pretty interesting story. He was Porcupine was actually a She-Hulk villain, or or am I thinking of the wrong person? Uh, I thought one of them was actually a She-Hulk villain, and the rest were other character villains. Yeah, I, I don't recall. I know Porcupine. I think Porcupine was maybe a was a Daredevil. One of them is a Daredevil villain. Yeah. One of them, Sorison, is in Blade. Was in Blade. Yeah. A Blade comic, and. Uh, El, Ag- Ag- El Aguila was from El Aguila, Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. And he has like the cool um, bio, uh, bioelectricity bio powers. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. There are multiple porcupines and one of them <laughs> ended up dying with the Avengers, like ended up on the side of the Avengers. Oh. Um, and Captain America honored him uh, by like he put his suit on display in the Avengers mansion. Okay, a, I'm gonna nice find it. Plaque. While while go on to the next thing, and I'll find where the fourth one is. I just Who want, is just want to from. say real quick that I just really appreciate this show's dedication to digging up obscure Marvel characters. And <laughs> Same, yeah. Manbull. Um, I forget. I I think Manbull was in a Squirrel Girl comic that I read once. You know, just a very minor throwaway appearance. Has also, I think, been in a uh, a Craven series manbull was the daredevil one. Oh, okay was the daredevil villain and porcupine was first a villain in an uh was against i don't know if it was in their series but a villain against ant-man and the wasp right right that's right one of the rare ant-man villains to mm-hmm. exist you can see why they have to borrow other people's villains for the ant-man movies <laughs> yeah the men keep talking about their feelings and vulnerability, and Jen can't help but watch from the sidelines. That's when the door opens, and it's this guy. Do you remember that guy? It's okay if you don't. Jen's got us covered with a previously on as we flash back to episode two. He's part of the wrecking crew that attacked her in the alley behind her house. And now you're up to speed. I'm that was such wrecking. a fun, for- that's maybe my favorite fourth wall break so far. Where they actually, she's like, we're doing another previously on because you don't remember this guy. <laughs> I find it interesting that that seemingly that group was just there to be like, hey, look, it's the wrecking crew. I mean, it kind of makes sense in in like uh, like parallel to the Marvel comics where they are a lot of times they're just working for whoever hires them. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um but I, th- I think it's I think it's just cool. Jen wastes no time charging at him and tossing him, Wrecker, across the room. Emil will have none of this, though, and insists that Jen needs to sit in the calming chair immediately. Or she could join their circle and talk through some of her issues, anger, with the rest of the group. Surprisingly, Jen chooses the latter and joins the circle, but she doesn't want to share. Everyone is up in arms at this point. 
pointing out that something is clearly going on with her because she's throwing people across the room and glued to her phone. Emil asks again, is there anything she wants to get off her chest? That's when Jen caves. She met a guy and they went out and now she hasn't heard from him. When Porcupine asks what's the last text uh, she sent him, that was fun. I can't stop smiling. The whole group cringes. Yikes. But actually, that's not the last text Jen sent him. When she finally got reception at Summer Twilights, she texted him, Hey, getting a little worried. Just want to know you're okay. And added a blushing, smiling face. Everyone cringing there. That was beautiful. I agree. (laughs) I thought it was good for comedy, but I don't think that's actually a bad text to receive. I don't know. I think the blushing, smiling face pushed it over. I agree. Maybe. I don't know what's cringe when it comes to emojis. It's I'm not going to lie. You just stop at cringe. Determine. Uh, I, oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know what's cringe. What, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> I don't know. Every other day. I don't. Yeah, every other day the the youngins of the world decide that some emoji, some random emoji is going to stand. I remember there was one day in the group chat that I... You guys gave me shit for this because, and I don't remember the exact context, but I used the skull emoji, and uh, and I and I was using the skull emoji to mean like I'm dead because a skull to me is like I'm dead. But it turns out that the Gen Zers have decided to adopt uh, the skull emoji to be like I have died from laughing. So yes, it didn't. That lo- is what "I'm dead" means. See, that's it's that's what you don't understand. Is no, but that's not how I meant it. I meant it. I like- know how you meant it. I'm <laughs> yeah. the one that corrected you. I know. I was like, dude, please don't send this to other. Like, you're gonna confuse people. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't get emojis. <laughs> how did we decide that? Uh, it's just how it happens, man. <laughs> There's you just, so many laughing you versions. You just gotta keep up. <laughs> There's so many different emojis of dudes laughing, and they go, oh, let's use the skull. Yeah. That's, like, so random. Like, what if we just decided, okay, the Ferris wheel now means, ha-ha. It should. I've laughed myself around in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> it means you had the time of your life. Oh, no, I didn't. I don't know. Not on a Ferris wheel. Wrecker brings some reason to the conversation, mentioning that Jen's going to have to accept the real fact that she was ghosted. Or, as Saracen points out, maybe he just wants her blood. Saracen, <laughs> not now. <laughs> my fa- he was my favorite. Like, uh, at the very end, he's like, he, we love you. Also, we should drink all your blood. Oh, God, somebody get me out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that they don't believe that he's a vampire either. Same. It's really funny um i mean i guess they're outside in the sunlight at the end watching her come out of the yurt uh but he could be a daywalker yeah we don't know are those they have those in blade yeah blade, blade is, is a daywalker, a daywalker. that's like Did you guys know blade is a daywalker <laughs> oh that's cool i didn't know that <laughs> tell me Ferris more emoji. like does he have a car <laughs> Uh, when you're making the episode description this week, can you just literally? Oh, it just says Ferris wheel emoji. <laughs> you talking to him because it's it's me. I'm talking to the royal yes. you. <laughs> the royal <laughs> you. Whoever. That was so Ferris Whoever. wheel emoji of you. Yeah, that's Skull. when. That's when. <laughs> that's when Jen starts getting honest with the group. 
and herself. <laughs> she likens She-Hulk to being the cool girl in school who gets all the attention and how life would be so much easier being that person. But that doesn't make life easier. Would everyone like Jen if She-Hulk wasn't around? Jen is great. And when She-Hulk is around, no one cares about Jen. But Josh liked Jen for Jen. And now everything sucks. Porcupine has heard enough. Where does Josh live because you're going to kill him? It's a record who <laughs> 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 yeah. It's Wrecker who talks the group out of finding Josh and drinking his blood, Saracen's suggestion, as everyone cra- opens up about the rejection they faced in their own lives. And maybe Josh's rejection hurts so much because Jen hasn't been spending enough time with Jen. She-Hulk has consumed her life in more ways than one. Maybe there's a group of guys who would love to spend time with Jen right now, Manville adds. <laughs> and that's Jen's cue to change back into her real self. Everyone applauds, and it even inspires Porcupine to take off his mask. See, everyone is feeling good today. It smells like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also happy that they didn't do a switcheroo here where it turns out, oh, they were trying to lull her into a false sense of security and then take her blood. Yeah, that is true. No, I just really like that they just had this really nice, wholesome, real moment. It was lovely. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. It's then suggested that to close this loop, Jen needs to delete Josh's number. With some hesitancy, she does. And you know how she's feeling? She's hurting for a yurtin. <laughs> I'm hurting for a yurtin, brother. <laughs> so off to the sweat lodge she goes, emerging later feeling refreshed. Sadly, Jen's time at Summer Twilight has come to a close as the mechanic has finally arrived to tow her car. The gang has Easter made- egg, it was Slot Towing, named after Dan Slot, who has written many, many She-Hulks. Oh, I think the uh, tow truck driver might have even, his name tag might have even said his name was Dan. Hmm. The gang has made her a goodbye card, and Emil wants to point out that it's not literally a gang. It's just the group of them referring to themselves as the gang. Please make that clear. (laughs) That was fun. And Emil walks her out and reminds her that she's welcome here anytime. Jen's not sure about that. Call her after they've installed Wi-Fi. On the drive back to L.A., Jen is calm and relaxed. Maybe she needed this little retreat more than she realized. However, three days earlier, that'd be Thursday, we flash back to Jen and Josh's date. While Jen's asleep, Josh gets dressed while copying the contents of Jen's phone into his phone. Before he leaves, he walks to Jen's side of the bed and snaps a picture of her, sending it to Hulk King. So it's true. Josh does suck. And I am sorry, everyone, but last time we were sitting on this very couch... I said, I don't trust Josh. I thought he was up to no good, and I was right. You know I'm not one to take a victory lap, (laughs) 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 but I'm going to take one anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you're normally the most humble person we know. Yeah, I know, I know, right? Yeah, I'm mad about it, but not because you were right. I'm mad about it because fuck Josh. Yeah, what an asshole. I hate Josh. Josh sucks. Yeah, I agree. He's just the worst. Sorry to any Joshes listening. Yeah, we're not talking about you unless you are that Josh. If you're that Josh, then go back to fiction land. Get out of my real world, (laughs) you jerk. (laughs) No, I wish he was real so I could go beat him up. He deserves a punch in the face. Kill him and drink his blood. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody get me out of this. Ratings. What are we going to rate episode seven of She-Hulk? Peach, we'll start with you. Oh, uh, I forgot to I forgot to have the notes up. Uh, I gave it eight. Not if I'm doing this correctly. Point five. 
uh, blushing smiley emojis out of ten. You did it. You got there. <laughs> Proud of you. Next? Proud of you. I gave it eight point five. Spain, the country, out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave it eight point five. Obama stays out of ten. Hey, okay. I'm glad I didn't say it earlier. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's the poster that's in the. If if you look. Behind Emil, when he's speaking, he already, by the way, has a giant like influencer poster with like quotes on it behind him. But also, really next- stupid quotes. Yeah, <laughs> but right next to that is a thing that says "Obama stay," <laughs> like "Namaste Abomination." Nah, I'm a stay abomination. Just kidding. I'm Emil. Only <laughs> episode eight, <laughs> ribbit and rip it. Once again, thank you to Rachel Page. Thank you to whoever named this episode. I agree. Thank you to everyone that was involved with this episode. Oh, yeah. There's a spoiler. Night has fallen over Los Angeles. Somewhere in an empty parking lot, two goons load TVs that have clearly been stolen into a van. When who should appear? Why? It's crime fighter Leapfrog. Rachel. Jennifer Walters is already over this. The unmasked leapfrog, Eugene Patilio, tries to explain his case to her. Looking to escape the goons, Eugene activated his getaway system, hydraulics on his suit, but things go horribly wrong when leapfrog's inflammable suit catches on fire. He's got third-degree burns, and leapfrog deserves justice. I'm going to be that guy and point out that inflammable means flammable. No, that's infallible. Plus compensation. And who does he want to take down on court? Luke Jacobson. Rip it and rip it. Wait, run that by me again? Inflammable and flammable mean the same thing. Yes, they do. Flammable. Yes. I can catch on fire. Yeah. Inflammable. Also means you can catch on fire. I can catch on fire. Yeah. Why is English so dumb? That's one of my favorite Simpsons jokes. It's, uh, I forget what the, it's an episode where it's like a Rashomon style one where they show it from different perspectives and at Dr. Nick's office, uh, like they cut to him and he says, he's going, don't worry, these are inflammable. And then when they cut to it later, he's standing outside his burning office. He goes, inflammable means flammable. What a country. (laughs) (laughs) Realizing this is a huge conflict of interest for her, Jen approaches Holloway asking to be taken off the case. Can't Pug take this one considering Jen's connection to Luke? She feels ethically compromised taking this and Holloway throws back that she's done something like this already. Remember Emil? That case hit way closer to home. So this one shouldn't be that bad, right? Wrong. Now approaching Luke, Jen explains that she's been retained by a client who received a faulty suit from him and... Excuse me, how dare Jen suggest that Luke has made a defective suit? He flies off the handle, ripping the suit he was making for Jen off the mannequin, declaring for all to hear that he's never going to make another suit for her ever again. See you in court. Now, sitting in court, Luke is noticeably alone, and the judge wonders where his counsel is. As if on cue, the doors to the courtroom open, and in Walks. <laughs> Matthew Murdoch, attorney at law. Oh my god, that guy from the Spider-Man movie. Oh no, it's the guy from Fortnite. He's the really good lawyer. He catches bricks. 
Damn. Hell yeah. Well, he catches brick. <laughs> Jen gives this smartly dressed blind lawyer a once-over, clearly trying to size him up. Matt came prepared to argue on behalf of the fashion designer, and the first thing he wants is the uh, opposing counsel's motion to produce loose client list be dropped because it's not relevant to the current case. Turning to us, Jet can't help but wonder, who's this asshole? <laughs> Jen isn't buying this. She wants Luke's client list because there might be other faulty suits out there and it might produce more evidence. Matt isn't letting go of this so easily, arguing back that producing a client list, especially ones with superheroes on it, could be dangerous. Luke's customers are allowed to keep their anonymity. Matt also can't help but add that the Sokovia Accords have been repealed. It's not his fault, and it shouldn't be Luke's fault, that Jen has chosen to operate in the public eye as a big green lawyer. Maybe others don't want that. What, I should, what a casual bombshell that was. Right. Of like, by the way, the Sokovia Accords are gone. <clears throat> the end. I should also mention, on behalf of my wife, that she My wife. was up in arms about the way that Jen Walters was trying to argue this case. For those that don't know, uh, a, my wife works for a think tank in privacy law, and she was not happy Can't that Jen was like, that. there is no right to privacy. I mean, out of context, she did say that, but the context with what she was trying to argue it's, I'm not saying that it's right, but for the for what she thought she was doing, it made sense in context. She wasn't just saying no one has any right to privacy. No, but even still, uttering the words "there is no right to privacy" in regards to this, yeah, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, it's a good thing that uh, the judge did not rule in her favor. Yeah, I guess I guess she would have been on Team Iron Man if she was around in Civil War. Oh, don't say that. Well, the judge sides with Matt, <laughs> and seeing this as a loss, Eugene whines that he just wants a new suit. Pulling out the chart outfit from across the room, it's clear that he's a new scent, and Matt can't, that there's a new scent, excuse me, not he, and there is a new scent, and Matt can't help but ask what kind of fuel he used in his boosters. Eugene used jet fuel. Duh. Duh. What? Luke explains that his instructions said, do not use jet fuel. The judge notes that with this, the plaintiff ignored the manufacturer's instructions and defendant is absolved of all liability. Case dismissed. I will say, typically, I would think that a lawyer would get this kind of information beforehand yeah. before you are in court in front of a judge, but that doesn't make for good television. I don't feel like he would have shared it with Jen. I think Jen would have done more investigating. Yeah. She definitely should have done a little more looking into what was going on there. I agree, but I think the I think how we got there was because she didn't want to take this case in the first place, and I think it was probably like a, well, I'm not going to do any preparing because maybe I can talk Luke out of it. Then he took her to court anyway, and maybe she just didn't have enough time. I don't know. You're adding in a lot there. You're yeah. like you're like doing a lot of work to make it make sense, but it should have been Jen doing the work on her case. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it doesn't actually matter though, because it made sense for television. Yeah, it was fun. Yep. Jen immediately starts trying to apologize to Luke, hoping that he'll be her tailor again, but he hates her now. So no. <coughs> Over at Legal Ease. I like oh, but I like all of his like insults, like 
Uh, yes, clown. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say to her when she's leaving his studio? Was it you're tragic or something? Goodbye. Yeah, bye, the- tragedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> Over at Legalese, Jen sits alone at the bar when a new drink is placed in front of her. It's been sent by the man over there, who just so happens to be Matt. He asks to join her, hoping to extend a peace offering between the two of them. The first thing Jen must know is why Matt, who is from New York City, flew all the way out here to fend Luke. Matt, Matt explains that Luke made him some suits, so he owed him a favor. Interesting that she didn't immediately connect the dots there. Yeah. And yeah, how... why didn't she connect the dots there? I don't know. I just had a brain fart when you said that. Like, yeah. wait a second. I think I think that she's probably making an assumption about the blind lawyer that he's probably not moonlighting as a superhero. Uh yeah, I that's guess a that's a good point. True. Yeah, that's fair. And how did Matt know about the jet fuel? Matt offers up that it was a hunch. He also goes on to explain that he has a practice in Hell's Kitchen and likes to do pro bono work to help others, only taking bigger cases when the bills start to pile up. Jen's deflated by that, noting that she's so tired from working the bigger cases, she doesn't have time to think about anything else. You say that, but I think you're in a unique position to do some real good, Matt tells her. The way I see it, Jen Walters can use the law when society fails, and She-Hulk can help people when the law fails. Bro, this man is so suave. First of all, Charlie Cox just is suave as Daredevil in the Netflix series. Uh, at least seasons one and two. I, I don't know about three. He's just suave as it is. But this dude, mind you, Jen got her Hulk powers in the first episode and Bruce was trying, her actual family member was trying to get her to, hey, you're a superhero now. And she's like, I don't want anything to do with superheroing. And then this charming, smooth ass motherfucker walks into a bar and is like, you know, you could fight crime on the side. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and and I think it's interesting is that, you know, Bruce is thinking that she has to give up and just be a superhero for now and you can't be a lawyer anymore. Yeah. And Matt has that perspective of he's done both for years now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really cool that he kind of brings that perspective and is like, I'm going to help her out because I, I see something here that's, that's, you know, worth, you know, that, you know, she can be a really good force for good in multiple ways, just just like he has been. Yeah. Jen doesn't hate the sound of that. And she also wants to make sure that we're all feeling this, the her and Matt thing. It's not just her. Oh, I was feeling it. It was me too. You oh, feel man. it, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> While Matt steps away to take a call, Jen gets a message from Todd, that guy, Ugh. asking her to meet up later. She tries to brush him off, suggesting another round of drinks to Matt, but something's come up, and he's got to go. Guess Jen's got to go meet Todd. Sliding into booth with him, he finds start. He first starts talking about how he just recently acquired a Wakandan war spear in an auction. He's got pictures. He has a collection of African art, and before Jen can stop him, he's doing the Wakandan salute and yelling Wakanda forever. Please, Todd, on behalf of us, don't do that again. That was a wonderful moment as well. <laughs> going, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was very cringe. Speaking of emojis. <laughs> yeah. Peach. I'm Peach. What is a Wakanda spear made of? <laughs> I didn't think you were going <laughs> to ask me like that. I don't think I have a Metal. lot to add here. Because I, 
because I feel, because I feel like we're all on the same page and have been about Todd for a while. But I'm just putting this additional fact out there for anybody that listens that might not have might not be on this page, like might not agree at this point. This dude's definitely one of the bad guys. I've already talked about that in two of our podcast episodes. But he's like, check out this Wakandan stuff that I got. Wakanda, famous for farming vibranium. Vibranium, the thing he wonders if he can pierce her specimen her skin with. Or the veil. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what kind of music you're into. So I think it's like super obvious that Todd is a bad guy, but there's just another layer right there on top of it is... I got this weapon that is most definitely made of vibranium because it's from Wakanda. Come to my place and check it out, maybe, so I can stab you with it. <laughs> I don't know. What are you into? <laughs> Hate that guy. I agree. Also, I had this weird... This is a theory that I think is a stork. I had this weird theory that I shared with Chris at Halloween Horror Nights last night. So... Uh, the episode of our podcast where I described Mallory book and how she's in the comics she was like married to or dating awesome android who was a member of Intelligentsia. I wonder if Todd is awesome android. That would be weird. Here's my theory. I said this to, to Chris and I want to see what your reaction is. So at the end of this episode, she's in a rage, right? She's punching the TV ripping it off the wall like trying not to absolutely murder that guy that she's like holding up by the neck whatever Todd is also at this gala first of all if he's not a bad guy why is Todd at this at this gala everyone else at the gala was like one of the people at GLKNH or a family member or someone significant in their lives so why is Todd just a client of GLKNH at the gala where they voted for the Six best female lawyers. Why is he there? <laughs> anyway, he's there, right? So maybe the start of the next episode, she's in a rage. She can't control it for the first time. She like really can't control it. And she f- sees Todd and she just punches his head clean off. I'm talking like decapitating punch. And we see this scene and we're like, holy shit, this show got violent. But then it goes back to Todd and his neck is sparking, right? There's sparks and wires coming out of his neck because he's been awesome android the whole time. I think that'd he's be really married cool. to Mallory Book. I think that'd be really cool. I do think that it it's a stork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, because the implication would then be that Mallory Book was in on it the whole time. I think she is. And I would really hate for this show like it, it would the implication would be especially if the, the way that you described it is the implication would be that uh, she takes out awesome android and Mallory book was the real villain the whole time and I would really hate for this show to end up with the way the show has gone on and the sort of topics that they have tackled I would really hate for this to be a show that ends with like women fighting against each other I don't think that that's that doesn't happen though I think a lot of the time this thing that the show is portraying about incel like incels online are like men being disgusting awful humans but there are also women that do that kind of stuff too. Sure, but like and that, the, her that per, would, her it, perspective it, is hold on though her perspective on She-Hulk is that 
This person came into the firm that she's been working at for a really long time. She's been working really hard. And people ask her, what's it like being a female lawyer all the time? So she's already like justifiably upset about that. And then this new person comes in and gets all this extra attention because she can turn into a green seven foot tall thing. I think there are ways to make that like I think it makes sense from a character perspective the way that you're saying it. Sure. But I think the tone would not hit. I think this show that is, you know, has kind of steered in this direction of these awful incel men that are like treating these women unfairly for their person who had been behind it all to be just another woman would really, I think, betray the message that the show is trying to portray. It would it would undermine what they've done to make toxic masculinity the real villain of the show. Right. I think. Hmm. Okay. Um I mean I'm if that's what happens, it'll be inter- interesting to see how that lands. Sure. But yeah, I, to me I feel like that's like you said, pitting a woman against a, a woman when it's been about these men this whole time who are like, Oh, she doesn't deserve the power she's been given. And I feel like Mallory hopefully yeah maybe there's some professional jealousy there but it's not like she's some out of nowhere unaccomplished lawyer either she no was i know yeah yeah an assistant da and was like on track to you know to go very far in her career i don't want you guys to get the idea though either that i think this is how it needs to be i just think oh, yeah, it's yeah, a possibility yeah. sure yeah. i don't need mallory to be sure. the villain i just think that it is like based on what she has done and what people she's affiliated with have done in the comics i don't think it'd be that far-fetched or surf are surfetched <laughs> he has a bigger leak it's a sword you can take this from me at any time <laughs> i'm sore i am sorison over here man you get me out of this kingdom hearts is light <laughs> What does this have to do with Jen in any sort of legal aspect? There's no way you're taking Kyrie's heart. <laughs> Todd slides closer to Jen, handing her some wine. You'll pay for this and cuts right to the chase. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> All right. En- they killed Goofy. <laughs> Enough Kingdom Hearts references, everyone. <laughs> you guys need to calm down with those. Yeah. <laughs> From now on, simple and clean. <laughs> Reading. I know you guys have a lot of passion for this. <laughs> <laughs> this place is supposed to be a sanctuary, okay? <laughs> Only for uh, 365 over 28 days. I don't remember. the What's the number? 365 days over two? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it's days over two, and I don't know why. Oh. Yeah. You that. know when my mom had me, she was taking a nap? Yeah, it was birth by sleep. <laughs> yeah, she was actually having a nightmare at the time, and you kind of just fell out. You like went a whole dream drop distance. <laughs> Damn. I don't know. My mind, I couldn't think of something for chain of memories, and my mind immediately went to two chains of memories. <laughs> <laughs> the crossover we didn't know we needed. Three. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do that. Three. 
You're not allowed to say that joke um, until three years after you said you were going to say that joke. Okay. And then another two after that. You have to delay the joke several times. <laughs> and then it has to be not as good as we thought it was going to be. Oh, no, you haven't even played it. I know, because it was not as good as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. You don't yeah. know that? You haven't played it? <laughs> I believe the masses yeah. in this particular instance. He knows there's something going on between them, Todd, that is, and he doesn't play games. Nope. Goodbye. Jen is out of there. Returning home, Jen collapses on the couch and her phone immediately starts buzzing. It's Eugene, and he's being attacked. Oh, it's Eugene. Uh, legally or physically? Eugene assumes it's physically because he's driving fast in his car to the lily pad, and someone is attacking his car. Jen is just about out the door when she remembers she's got the perfect <laughs> suit for this. Jen meets Eugene at the parking garage, but he's not alone. The man who's been chasing him, wearing his own super suit with a devil's cowl on his head, squares off with Jen. And no matter what punches she throws, he's just a little more agile than she is, easily dodging all of them. Jen then throws a whole car at him, which he just barely misses. What really takes this masked man down is a powerful Hulk thunderclap. Having enough of this, Jen picks up the man and pulls off his mask. It's... Matt Murdock? What? <laughs> First, Jen needs to know if he's really blind, because if he's pretending, that's messed up. <laughs> Matt assures her that he really is blind, but he's got a special method that he uses to see. Oh, so like echolocation. That's neither here or there. Because secondly, why was Matt attacking Eugene? Matt explains that Eugene's the bad guy in the situation, and Jen can't help but note she just assumed the guy in the devil costume was the photo fight. And... uh <laughs> Is a, is he a superhero? He's like uh, the gold devil. <laughs> I'm Daredevil. I've watched that clip like ten times. It's very good. <laughs> yes, I gotta. I have another, not a soapbox fully, but like I did a dumb thing and I was looking through comments on this um this week's episode on Marvel's Instagram page. And if you just want to have a bad time, that's what you should do. I suggest for everyone's mental health that you do not go to the comment section uh, of a She-Hulk um, episode unless you're going there to spread positivity and love because that is what those comment sections desperately need. The The incels are very loud, which is um, true to the show. But what the point I'm saying is a bunch of people were saying that they didn't expect daredevil's costume to be that way they were confused about his costume and then there were some people also making comments about jen's costume as if there were absolutely no images of it and i think one big problem that a lot of these disney plus shows have had in the past is that they do these like even if it's more subtle they do this like kind of lead into eventually this character is going to be in a costume that you've never seen hey, before. let me tell you something. Except they yeah. had images of them in that costume before the show even started. But also, let me tell you something. You know what show started that? No. Daredevil! The, the Daredevil. The first, ah! Remember the first season of Daredevil? He spends the entire season basically like, when is he going to put on the suit? He finds the guy to make the suit. And then at the very last episode of season one, 
He finally dons the suit but, and is Daredevil. But the difference is, I don't remember them doing a lot of advertising with him in his red suit. No, it was mostly him with yeah. the black. Cowl. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, is I like, think they like hinted at it like in a couple images, yeah. but they never gave a full image. Long before She-Hulk, they had images of Daredevil's suit. They had images of Jen's purple suit. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing with like Hawkeye. If you went to Ms. Marvel Disney, too, yeah, you went to you went to either of those um, sections on Disney Plus for those characters, and the images on those pages were them in their suits from the very last couple episodes of each series. So it's I don't know. It's just weird. First of all, I think that's a problem. I think they could do something where they put them in a costume they're wearing at the beginning of the show, and then swap it out after the show is finished. If they're trying to make these episodes where like the suit is a reveal, because it's not a reveal for anybody that pays attention to this stuff, yeah. right? Um, I think that's strange, but no, it's She-Hulk. I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why they're surprised. One that She-Hulk got a super suit when that has been like a plot point for like three or four episodes. I know. And why are they surprised that Daredevil's costume looked different when? Like three episodes ago, he had a gold helmet. They had a big zoom in on his golden helmet. I don't know. I I I told you it's a wasteland over there. I try not to think about these kind of people. And Chris, you're gonna like sort of touch on this, uh, but I I'm just gonna kind of bring it up now. I try not to think about those people because I don't want to feel bad about being excited that I see Daredevil. Here. Yeah, because I was super jazzed to see Daredevil, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to like perpetuate the people that have been like where's daredevil for the past eight episodes and like feed into all of that negativity but i am jazzed that daredevil was there i thought it was very cool yeah Mm -hmm. and it's very uh the boulder is conflicted you know the boulder (laughs) (laughs) it's tough you know and like i will say i really liked seeing daredevil it was a little strange because he is playing a slightly different Matt Murdock Daredevil. It is not exactly the same. He is a little bit more lighthearted. He's a little... He's not necessarily quippy. He wasn't quipping. But he's a little funnier, a little happier. The Daredevil that we're used to seeing is... His life just constantly sucks. Mm. And he's never in a good mood. And so it is weird to see (laughs) a happy Daredevil. But I, I also do think that that is that's been true of every established Marvel character that's been on this show. Sure, too. definitely. So, because I've seen a lot of people going, "Oh, this Daredevil's so different." First of all, it's pretty not not that comics accuracy is everything, but this is this was a pretty comics accurate Daredevil. Daredevil has many facets in the comics, and I saw a comment someone you just have a lot of sinks. What? No, sorry. I thought you said he has many faucets. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> uh, um, may I saw a comment somewhere where someone said that a lot of people think of Daredevil as Red Batman, but he's really more like Blind Spider-Man. Uh, because, yeah. Yeah, because there there have been some comics where he's been a lot of fun. Uh, he He loves the ladies. That was very true in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some really dark, violent, gritty Daredevil comics. That is absolutely a facet of his character. But by the same token, so is this more fun, kind of charming, suave, good guy kind of Daredevil. 
Uh, so it's fun that we got that he at least got one episode of She-Hulk to be like this. I think it's a safe bet to think that his appearance in Echo and his appearance in his own upcoming show, it's probably going to be a little more serious. Hopefully some of this stuff will bleed into it. So we'll get to see some fun Daredevil as well. He turns his head to cough. Excuse me, yeah. Um, <laughs> Chocolate rain. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all, all these aspects of him can exist in one character and how how great is it that you know they nailed the casting of daredevil back when they cast for yeah right for the netflix show knowing that that was going to be a more serious take on the character but the fact that he can come in and play this kind of daredevil as well uh it's just great it's perfect i i'm having maybe even more of an issue seeing people that don't think it's enough like dare like the other daredevil because i agree with what you're saying eduardo about how a lot of awful shit happens to him in his series again still haven't seen the third season but a lot of shit happens to him that's really terrible but in the times when he's he does have those moments of happiness and he's like flirting and like he's having those romantic relationships in seasons one and two He's very much acting the same way I yeah. as as what I remembered. And I also think that translated to his fight scene, which you'll end up touching on. I think he got a an MCU version of a hallway fight, which was really great. Yeah. And while it didn't live up to how awesome that you're not it's it's one of those things you're not gonna beat. The hallway scene it was from almost Daredevil. a joke that that they're like, oh, yeah. they're gearing up for a hallway fight, and then She Hulk just comes in and smashes everybody. Yeah, but it would you fun. want something to like uh, take over that hallway fight? I also that's so think cool. it was already almost borderline too much. It was very violent. Let yeah. me talk about the the mm-hmm. let's talk about the fight scene right now since we're already. I don't. I hate when we dance around something and then like we could just talk about it now. Yeah. Uh, that fall one the hallway fight scene. Was awesome. It's so funny, dude. Very cool. Uh, I thought it was the funny. I like couldn't stop laughing when the guys are just walking, and then his like stick smacks the guy in the face. It's like, doesn't he know that a tadpole is a baby frog? Gunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, it does. I think it was smart to cut that fight short because it does highlight sort of the differences between the action. In something like Daredevil versus the CGI She-Hulk that we are getting, I don't think She-Hulk is a show about fighting. Yeah, yeah. But there is a little bit of it, and the little bit of it that we do get isn't anywhere near as cool as the Daredevil stuff that we got. Good. And yeah. so I am glad that they cut that kind of short because that's not what the show is about. Yeah. And um, we kind of moved on from that because, uh. That whole Daredevil thing was just, it makes me, like, I want to go watch season three of Daredevil now. Yeah, I never yeah, finished yeah. it. I need to go back and watch it. I want to watch go, the whole thing now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to go watch it because I, that was just too cool. Except um, for very one very specific scene. One thing that holds me back from going back to those is there is a very specific scene in the second season of Daredevil that I cannot watch. There are not very many things where I have to like turn away from the TV because I'm too disgusted to watch them or I'm too afraid to see them or whatever. But there, I, you, have you seen season two? No, I've still only watched season one. I won't describe it then, but there is a thing that happens in the second season that is just so 
it just oh it gets under my skin and I don't want to see it again. Okay. And it's weird because season two is more like season two and season two point five because they are there are there is it's season one and then season two. The first storyline takes up about five or six episodes, and the second storyline then picks up after that. And so they're very, mm. it's a very second, like you have the Punisher part, and then oh, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. comes afterwards. I won't spoil the second, I think the second part's a spoiler. I'm not 100, I think it was in the just the the promotion part, whatever. But there is, the, there are two separate parts, which I think season three goes back to it all being one large mm. yeah. story. But this is definitely, I mean, there are like hints of it throughout the beginning, but like, it definitely ends, and then there is a second half. Yeah, I think the second half is where the thing happens that I'm that makes me. Ugh. So without Punisher, yeah, but yeah, I've I've decided I am going to get caught up on all the Netflix stuff before Echo at least. Mm, definitely, when's Echo? Uh, I think it's sometime next year. Okay, you've got time. Yeah, but definitely before Daredevil. You, <laughs> you'll blaze through everything. You'll get to Iron Fist. You'll end up oh taking a break. God. <laughs> you'll come back to it months later, and you'll you know you'll make it in the. That's something that like right under the wire. It's incredible how good Daredevil is. How good specifically the first season of Jessica Jones is. How good a good portion of Luke Cage is, and then how absolutely awful. Iron Fist is. Iron Fist is very bad. It's hard to watch. Yeah. It's like I powered through it because I wanted to watch Defenders with all the knowledge. Right. But it was hard to get through. Well, and unfortunately, um, Danny Rand, Iron Fist, is a Defender. And so he's in there too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And he has like a really big role in that. I didn't think that he was a problem. See, the the thing I thought was bad about Iron Fist was the writing. I actually didn't have a problem with the actors that played those characters because they have to act with what they're given. Sure. I mean, part of it is how they perform as well, but- I almost think the writing in that show was the problem more so than the actors. Well, and I think there was definitely some- and we've since like gone a different direction with it, but I think there was there's still a lot of people that don't like the fact that Danny Rand, this American man, is playing and is like this like steeped in fake uh, Asian mythology, but still something that should probably go to an Asian actor because it it's you know definitely borrowing from their culture. I, I said this in the Discord, but I would actually love for them to bring back Danny Rand and put him in the next Shang-Chi movie, and let's actually confront that idea. Oh, that'd be great. Like, I would love for them to actually say, you know what? We know this is an old trope, and it's, you know, not great. Let's actually talk about it. Let, let's address it. Yeah. I'm curious if the... or I don't know much about the comics version of Iron Fist. I'm curious mm-hmm. if that was, like a comic where maybe at the time it wasn't considered a bad thing, but it like in more I mean, modern times, that, that is whatever how happened. all of these things. Yeah. Are, yeah. You know? I'm, and I'm curious if that's just something that like actually was intentionally racist or if it was like, no, it was more like, because Iron we Fist have a is cool a white man. And he, so I'm curious he, if that was a problematic or not. Was is the character that you're referring to, but the yeah. Iron Fist that there is currently is not a white man. Oh, like the wh- the current the, Iron Fist okay. is an Asian American. Gotcha. Yeah, that's I, cool. I think the idea of Danny Rand was that they wanted somebody who was an outsider to the culture. 
there are ways to do that where you actually have an Asian oh, character, yeah. though. For sure, for sure. I know. Uh, but this was the 70s, not to necessarily forgive it, but it explains it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they did it. He was just so serious. I know this is like on a tirade about Danny Randon, but in his show, <laughs> he was so serious. And he like, there is a version of Danny Rand that is on what cartoon? Is it Spidey and his amazing friends? No. It was some Spider-Man show okay. where he's like a teenager and Danny Rand is there as like part of his team, but he's like a valley bro, like <laughs> like like surfer, like- Like bra, dude. Yeah, like saw oh, bra, it's fist, me, bro. Danny Rand, man. Like Argyle. And it actually <laughs> kind of works, uh, but this huh. Danny Rand I, I really don't like. But either way- uh, if you haven't watched the Netflix things, uh, definitely watch Daredevil. Watch, at the very least, the first season. I think the first season of Jessica Jones, even though uh, very explicit and very difficult to watch sometimes, is the best Netflix Marvel thing that they ever put out. Uh, and then a lot of the first season of Luke Cage, although it does kind of go off the rails. The second season's good, though. Can we uh, talk about some rumors real quick? Go for it. So it is being reported. First of all, I saw today... That the rumor is they got, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but Foggy, Foggy's back. Oh, that's the rumor. From the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, yeah, the guy from the Mighty Ducks. Um, But also, this one I think is even more exciting because I think it's a safe bet that they're going to get back the Daredevil cast. I think that that is what they're going for. Yeah, Deborah Ann Wall was on a podcast recently saying she wants to come back and play. Yeah, and I don't know why they wouldn't bring her back. Yeah. but the rumor is that Kristen Ritter was supposed to also be in this new Daredevil show. But she had scheduling conflicts, so Jessica Jones is not going to be in the show, but John Bernthal is going to be back instead. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That is perhaps the thing I'm the most curious about, how it will translate to an MCU property. Hey, we're getting Deadpool. I know, so. I know but Punisher is like... There's crass. There's Deadpool is crass. Yeah. And the Punisher is very kills everything. It's just yeah. violence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean I think that they are they want to expand the MCU into an adult direction, have an adult like corner of yeah. the MCU. Right? So they had an adult corner, then they killed the adult corner, and now they're bringing the adult corner back. Yeah. And <laughs> I, Do you guys remember that time where it had just been taken off Netflix and then it just didn't exist? Oh, yeah. What, Punisher? All of them. Remember all of the Netflix shows? Oh, all the Netflix Marvel shows were gone for, it was like over a year, right? Um, oh. I thought it, I thought it happened quicker. I thought it was only like a couple weeks when they got pulled from Netflix and then put on Disney+. Plus. I thought but they I were gone from Netflix for longer. I don't know. Mm. No, you know, no say. It's the uh, problem with streaming only, but that's a rant for another day. Yeah, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about Daredevil we're still. Oh, She-Hulk yeah. attorney at law. We went to Daredevil, and then we just kind of went off on the Netflix things. Watch those shows. They're good. Yeah. And even though there's a familiar music cue for us at home, none of this rings any sort of bells for Jen when Matt <laughs> says he's Daredevil. Meanwhile, over at the lily pad, Eugene has Luke pouring over a sewing machine, making him new things. Jen peers in through a window overhead, wondering about the henchmen. Matt's quick to explain that henchmen believes in the goons believe in the cause while goons are just there for the paycheck the guys with eugene total goons 
and there are 25 goons in the building. I enjoyed that. How do you know? Wait, how does Matt know there are 25 goons in the building? Oh, (laughs) shit. How did you know? How did I know? (laughs) He explains that he can hear their heartbeats, which Jen doesn't buy. Turning his attention to her, Matt says that he can hear her heart, too, and it's beating pretty fast. What a smooth guy. No, dude. So suave. But these goons, Matt's going to sneak in and take all of them out. Should only take 15 seconds per goon. Jen doesn't want to sit around and wait for a half hour. Not the <laughs> correct math. Moving on. So she's going to go in and smash things. Matt points out that they have weapons. Jennifer, while she retorts back that She-Hulk is indestructible, Matthew. Just let Matt do his thing. Inside, we find a bunch of goons in a hallway. A hallway. <laughs> a hallway. That's when Daredevil appears in all his glory. That, that was written by Rachel Page. That a hallway. That is from the actual <laughs> synopsis. Clearly ready to take out all these goons in a hallway and the fight is on. While he is able to stop all the ones currently, backup is on the way and soon five more goons appear for him to fight in a hallway. Get ready <laughs> for She-Hulk to I smash through the roof. I love her liberal use of hallway. Oh, Get ready for She-Hulk to smash to the roof and take them all out underneath the rubble. We didn't talk about one thing. He the had the, the extendo baton. Oh, yeah. Did, which I was very excited about. But again, because I haven't seen season three of the Netflix show, I wasn't sure if maybe they already gave him that. I don't believe so. I don't but I've remember. I've only seen part of that season. Yeah, and I don't remember enough about one and two to like, well, one, they didn't give him that. He's also two. not super in the suit in season three. He's not in the suit as much. Oh, he's not? No, he's back to the black mask for a while. Oh, okay. For reasons that are in that season. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. uh yeah, he he's not in that he's not in that suit as much. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. That like that gave me the same vibes of how excited I was to see Steven Steven and Mark with the same yeah. weapon. Yeah, because Moon Knight uses that shit too. <clears throat> so cool. The duo then head okay. Well, maybe I now need a Daredevil Moon Knight collab. Yes, now that I'm we do. It. I'm thinking like, wait a second, that would be fucking awesome. Blind justice lawyer and yeah. uh, and three people in one. Yeah, we, yeah. Blind judgment and then blind lawyer. So cool. The duo that head into Eugene's main lair as Matt quickly gets to taking them out one by one. Jen heads for Luke and unties him turning to Eugene and ordering him to stop before he gets into any more legal trouble. They might be able to play temporary insanity, and Matt, from across the room, mentions that's not a bad idea. So the devil ninja guy is a lawyer, Eugene asked through the chaos? No, according to Matt. He's just a big fan of legal dramas. And you know what? This is really kind of doing it for Jen. (laughs) Taking a lull in the battle to run, Eugene jumps out of the window and immediately hurts his whole body. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny that we've had uh, a few episodes of people jumping out of windows and this is the one where the guy gets hurt. He's later taken away by the paramedics while Jen tries to patch things up with Luke. The good news is that he'll still make her gala dress. There's no bad news here, though. Luke's There's no bad news here. Luke's just still mad at her. Sitting high above the chaos below, Jen joins Matt on the ledge of the building. He's not really a stick around and talk to the cops kind of guy, and Jen rolls her eyes. So brooding. But she's thankful for all of his help. And Matt's thankful for Jen's help. When does Matt leave for New York again? He leaves tomorrow and suggests that the next time he's in town, they grab dinner. Jen suggests they just skip all of that. Cut to Jen and Matt making out as they stumble back into her apartment. Jen struggles trying to get his super suit off, but don't worry. They eventually manage it as the door closes behind them. 
The next I morning, what they did in there. Anything. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> the next morning, Matt the is mystery a mystery <laughs> room. <laughs> is a sight to be seen as he walks home barefoot in the daredevil suit. That was I love such <laughs> a hilarious image. The daredevil walk of shame. <laughs> uh, he didn't look too ashamed. Well, no, but that's the that's <laughs> oh, know, the title, know. you know. I'm just uh, defending him. <laughs> Seems like a pretty solid end well, of the episode, huh? Defending him. So why are we still hanging out here? Jen wonders that aloud to us when Nikki bursts into the apartment with her glam bag. But what is this scene? As Jen tells us, this episode already came to a very satisfying conclusion. Nikki, from the other room, yells to Jen that she's got to get ready for the gala. Jen works through her confusion. Wait, we're doing the gala? That doesn't feel right. Is the next episode the finale? Oh, just like a tacked-on set piece near the, the end of the season. This is a big twist, isn't it? But the question is, is it the kind of twist that's like, oh, there's another Hulk, but this one is red, or like, I'm getting fridged. Whatever, Jen's game. Arriving at the gala, looking fabulous. I like that Nikki did Wolverine claws with her makeup accessories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional. I'm sure it was. I mean, obviously it was intentional. I sure. mean, yeah, I wonder if it was an intentional nod to Wolverine is what I meant. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. I guess we can talk about it really quickly. Oh, yeah. But hey, uh, guess who's back? Yeah. Back, back again. again. Uh, well. Australia's back because it's all <laughs> Hugh Jackman, eh? Hi, mate. Oi. Want to play Wolverine one more time? Sure, Ryan. What the hell? <laughs> I know. What? What? A, wow. Blew my That's mind. Pretty, pretty cool. I mean, if anyone's going to convince you to do a thing you said you'd never do again, it right. might as well be Ryan Reynolds. It tells yeah. me two things. One, that the MCU is willing to go in a lot further directions than they ever have, and they really want to sort of diversify what the MCU even means. And two, and this is probably the most important, we are nowhere near getting the X-Men in the MCU. Yep. Because I don't think they would have Hugh Jackman play Wolverine in a movie produced by Marvel if they were then going to make another X-Men Marvel movie, MCU movie. Yeah, there yeah. are there are some rumors out there that there are contractual reasons why they're waiting a couple years. Right, because if they do it now, they have to use the same cast as they did. I yeah. remember reading something about that. Yeah, it's like they there are producers that would have to be involved in an X-Men movie that they don't want to work with. And apparently, since some of these other actors are under contract for a certain amount of time, if they were to recast those characters, the new actors would be able to use the old actors' contracts and negotiations. Mm. Um, that's why, who are we seeing? We're only seeing X-Men characters being played by the same actors. We're seeing Patrick Stewart. We're seeing Hugh Jackman. We're seeing Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, and the Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah, Evan Peters. Mm, true. Huh. That's interesting. Contracts are stupid. <laughs> it's a very complicated uh, thing. Why couldn't they? I get why they had Evan Peters because he was playing a different guy. Why couldn't they have gotten uh, Homie from Daredevil, not Daredevil, uh, Kick-Ass to be in WandaVision as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. The they other the Homie from Kick-Ass. The they other Evan Peters. <laughs> that is true. No, he I is mean, a Homie I from Kick-Ass. I mean that chubby guy from The Office. <laughs> Not Kevin. Oh, yeah, him. He's in the last season. I forgot what his name is. Yeah. He ends up being a super uh, a superhero, too, in Kick-Ass 2. I was going to say, Evan Peters was on The Office, too. That is also true. He's in there with this guy. They're both intern. No, no. Evan Peters is- 
Oh, I know who you mean. Okay. Okay. Is, you mean, you mean Dwight Jr.'s like ne- like cousin or nephew cousin or nephew. something. Cousin nephew, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Is he the one that gets spanked? Yes. yes. Oh, yes, He spanks yeah. Kevin Peters. Yeah. yeah, he spanks Kevin Peters. All right, well, arriving at the gala, <laughs> looking fabulous, Jen heads he inside. He spanks Evan Peters. <laughs> arriving at the gala. Jen heads inside to meet her parents. She also waves hello to Holloway, who is standing up with uh, Todd. No time for chit-chat as they find their seats at the banquet table. And is those- Todd his son? Todd's awesome android. Okay. <laughs> and no, no sooner are they sitting down, but it's time to announce the female lawyer of the year, and the award goes to Jennifer She-Hulk Walters, and also Sarah Hunter, Alice Chen, Barbara Wells, and Mallory Book. Okay, so they're all sharing the award. On stage, the presenter asks what it's like being a female lawyer, and it's Mallory with the sass, adding that she's constantly asked what it's like to be a female lawyer. Snaps from the audience from both Nikki and Pug. When Jen gets the mic, she starts to give a little speech, but it's quickly interrupted by a hulking emoji flashing on the screen behind her, wondering if the audience wants to know who She-Hulk really is. Intelligentsia has hijacked the presentation, telling the crowd that She-Hulk doesn't deserve their attention. Snapshots of images from Jen's phone flash across the screen, exposing all of her matcher matches, text messages, and also pictures of Steve Rogers. The worst part is when a video that Josh took of them hooking up is playing is played on the screen. That's really shit. Is that the worst part? Um, I think the worst parts are when or there's that. Yeah. There's the un- intelligentsia voice saying that she doesn't deserve the power that she stole from the Hulk, and then casually adds, and also she's a slut. Yeah. And that's starts playing the worst that video. Part. Let's let's unpack this for a moment. This is, I think, a really important thing to talk about. Men like this pull this shit all the time on women. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve the success you have. Everything that you have is because of a man. You've taken this power from a man. And anytime a woman dares to be a sexual being and, you know, actually enjoy that you know enjoy you know sex sex Sex, yes i don't don't know i don't know why i was trying to think of a (laughs) i thought there might be a better way to phrase it but yeah just you know she had sex with someone yeah how come josh isn't a you know he had sex with somebody too right you know it's you know why why is she a slut there were heavy air quotes around that um just because she had sex with somebody that she was dating. Right. Oh, no. Clearly, it's not like these guys have some sort of moral objection to it because they are they would all do that, too, if they, given the opportunity. It, it's it. They, they, this double standard still exists, and it's just ridiculous and infuriating. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about that hijacked presentation had no merit. Like, what's the point of showing pictures of Cap he called himself America's ass and everybody somehow learned that quote. Yeah. So is it, is it weird to Probably think that Scott a Lang's celebrity? I mean, yeah. Is it yeah. weird to think that a celebrity is hot and maybe have a photo of them on their, on your yeah. phone? I know so many guys normal. from high school who th- they had all over their rooms, like pictures of half naked women, like, people that had like swimsuit calendars on mm-hmm. their wall is it's not weird to have a swimsuit calendar. But it is weird and makes you slutty to have a picture of Captain America in your phone. Yeah, like 
you're showing all of her Tinder, well, not matcher matches. Okay. She didn't go on dates with probably most of those people. Also, who cares? Who cares if she did? Like, what does it matter? It wouldn't. Like, I, all, there's no merit in any of these things that they're trying to burn her for. These guys, and that's part of why it's so infuriating. These guys would buy a swimsuit calendar and look at it every day and, get all hot and bothered by it while thinking that these women are terrible for posing that way. Correct. It's very strange. I'm I'm an inferior women. I Well, and as you can from our conversation, I would be especially when we're talking about something like this, I'd be really pissed if the real villain behind all of this was Mallory Book. I'm yeah. not saying the real villain, though. Yeah, I'm but, saying she could be a part of it, like the skeleton. Yeah, but I don't want to. Todd is David S. Pumpkins, and Mallory Book is part yeah, of it. I don't it. want her to be part of it. <laughs> I want, I like, I just don't want that to be how it goes. All right. I want what I want. I don't have any strong desire for her to be a bad guy. I just think it's possible. Mallory. We can fight our desires. Just off stage knows what's about to happen. <laughs> Don't do it, Jen, she warns, but it's too late. Jen, for the first time, lets her rage boil over and she smashes the screen behind her. Alarms start going off as people rush to the exit. In the chaos, Jen spots a group of men with their faces covered. Clearly, intelligentsia. She goes racing after them, grabbing one of the stragglers. Raising him up, as high, raising him up high as she roars, Nikki's now the one to yell her at her to stop. Jen drops the man as agents from damage control move in with their weapons pointed at her. Jen takes some deep breaths and turns to us. Oh, no. That was damage control? Yeah, I didn't realize it was damage control either. Hey, guys, that was damage control. Wow. Damage control just consistently sucks. I agree. (laughs) I mean, they didn't do anything necessarily wrong in this episode, but I just don't like them. Episode 8 ratings. Chris, we're going to go with you. What are you going to rate episode 8 of She-Hulk? I said put in the notes that I feel guilty that this is my favorite episode. It was my favorite episode for so much more than Daredevil. But Daredevil was certainly part of it. Uh, so I gave part it, of it nine ketchup and mustard devils out of ten. <laughs> Peach? Uh, yeah, I really, really... I think this is my favorite episode of the bunch. I also... I was telling Chris at Horror Nights as well that I, for like the last couple of weeks... Because I've seen so many people that have like decided that Daredevil needed to hijack She-Hulk's show a lot sooner than he did, and it needs to be about Daredevil, so many people were like shitty about that. That in my head, I was actively hoping that Daredevil was like a lie. Like Marvel Studios was like, "Just kidding, we don't have him at all, and we weren't going to get him." I'm glad we got him because I really enjoyed his part in this episode but i really enjoyed as i have every week all of the jen walters parts of the episodes i think this episode came together in every in a lot of really great ways um obviously some shitty stuff at the end but it's part of the plot um so i i think this was my favorite episode by far uh, sorry that i wish there would be no daredevil but it was just because of the haters yeah. you know it wasn't because I didn't want any of us to have fun. I gave it nine tadpoles out of ten, <laughs> Eduardo, or baby frogs, depending on you. Know. I also really liked this episode. I thought it was really fun seeing Matt Murdock back. I thought She Hulk. Uh, 
I thought their their chemistry was really great in this episode. I thought mm. all the tadpole stuff was really funny. It had a really good mix of some funny moments, some sexy moments, some serious moments. I thought it was a, a really great episode. I gave it nine baton smacks out of ten. So we've got one episode left of She-Hulk. I think we've kind of mentioned our predictions, not necessarily ours, but Peach has mentioned his prediction for how the show's going to end and how it's going to kind of propel the show forward. I'm hoping we get a little bit more Mark Ruffalo in the last episode so we can figure out what's going on with him. I just want to know what's going on in space. Uh, Chris, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I, I'm just really interested to see really how they deal with Jen actually losing it and going full Hulk, even just for a moment, because I think that that's going to bring some interesting thematic ground for them to cover as well i mean yeah they're gonna go the hysterical woman exactly exactly you know uh uh, she was at the gala with her lawyer colleagues and they looked terrified of her too yeah and 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 it's such a common thing where you hear about you hear this in like like let's say that there's a, a film director and he's a jerk he does it for his art you hear about a film director and she's a jerk and She's crazy. She can't control her set. This, this, this. You know, if if a woman dares to show emotion that a man gets away with showing, a lot of times her qualifications are called into question. Mm-hmm. So I think that is that that's going to be some interesting ground for them to cover there in the finale. Because I think, yes, everyone was scared of of the Bruce Banner Hulk, but also he was an Avenger. So everyone, you know, kind of went along with it. But he's gotten it publicly under control. So everybody loves him now. He's a hero. How are they going to feel about She-Hulk? Knowing that, I mean, you hear them say this about politicians. Oh, is she going to be able to to think with her brain when, you know, is she going to be able to keep her emotions in check? It's It's just a horribly sexist idea and you know it's, this whole show has been about sexism in a lot of ways so i i'm just curious to see how far they're willing to take it so far they've been willing to take it very far which i'm really happy to see that they that they're addressing these things sure i feel like the pacing of the show they could have another 30 minute episode as the finale and wrap everything up but it also just depends on what message they're trying to convey and like if we get to find out who any of these villains are and and also see what happens as a result of her rage like and where it ends up leaving us are we going to have a big cliffhanger are we going to wrap it up with a bow i think if we have a big cliffhanger it's probably possible to have a 30 minute episode i, don't, I think if they're trying to put a bow on top of it i think they're going to need more time i don't know i don't know if you need a villain I don't know if this I mean, story there is one though. Yeah, but like they're not who the villain is and the villain themselves isn't necessarily important in this, I don't think. I think it is much more important the story that's happening with Jen, how she responds to this, how where she ends up at the end of the season. I don't think the 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 uh, yeah, we'll find out who the villain is and they'll have say that whatever their evil plan is or whatever. But I don't think it's necessarily important to this story. Whereas in something like Hawkeye, it, that was it. It was this buildup of who is the villain, blah blah blah, and <laughs> like the whole thing. Lynch, the linchpin of it was 
the villain, their motivations, what's the mystery of this all. I don't think this show is like that. I don't think it's about the mystery. It's about Jen, and it's about Jen like dealing with the world and the world dealing with Jen and sort of that that dynamic. And so I think they're able to tackle that within the last episode. And I'm I'm fine with them one, not even mentioning who the villain is because I don't really care who Hulk King is. And two, even if they do it, be like a very quick, like, oh, it's Todd. And then they throw him in jail. And like, we all move on. Yeah. As long as they tackle and, and address the, the I th- what I think are the more important uh, topics for the episode. Here, here. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Before we go, everyone's favorite segment, it's recommendation time. Oh, yeah. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go first because okay. I want to steal this one from Peaches so he can't use it since it's the only thing we've been doing for the but, past two weeks. But I never have anything and oh, you guys always, always have Sorry, stuff. Peach, but Come I'm going to talk today about Destiny 2. I fucking hate you. <laughs> uh, you watch like 12 new animes a week and you play every game on the PlayStation nah, Network dude, all in, I've in done, a minute. Over, all I've done over the past two weeks is play Destiny Same, 2. that's why it's the only thing I have to recommend. <laughs> we can both recommend it. Yeah, we're going in on a joint recommendation. Uh, honestly, joint recommendation because you could come play with us. We play all the time. Yeah. Uh, it is available on every major console as well as PC. It's cross-play, cross-platform, cross-save. So we could all play together. Uh, we've been doing all kinds of stuff in there. It's just a very fun, if you were ever like a like uh like a wild WoW player or somebody who likes MMOs destiny has been described as an MMO light i think that is an apt description there is a lot to do in destiny but it doesn't require the same time that a regular MMO does yeah. even their raids are smaller their dungeons are smaller like it all happens in a lot more bite-sized form so if you are like us you miss the days of doing MMOs and you know uh, playing that kind of stuff with your friends, but you don't necessarily have as much time as you used to. This is the perfect sort of bite-sized way to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that um, it took me a while to get sold on it. I think I might have described this briefly when we did our 100th episode special, but when um, when I came up with the name Peaches, it was because Eduardo and I had this like, kind of similar hobby that we wanted to start at the same time where Eduardo wanted to podcast with me as the co-host and I wanted to stream and, you know, sometimes stream with my pals. Eduardo was one of those pals. So we each wanted to do these like separate things. And (laughs) my streamer origin story is that around the time we had this idea to start a podcast and start streaming, Destiny 2 was about to be a brand new game. Mm. And my big plan was I'm going to get famous so quickly because I am going to play Destiny 2 when it comes out. And uh, I'm going to be one of the faces of the game. And that's just how it's going to work. Bing bong. Like, no, no question. Bing bong. Bing bong. It was (laughs) step one. Be a streamer. Step two. Play Destiny. Step three. Question mark. Question mark. Question marks. Question: uh, Step forward, profit. That's that yeah. was my whole step, and that did not pan out. And then I like didn't really love the game, and I it didn't release in a good spot. No, and I and I never wanted to come back and play it, despite how often I had a a couple like real diehard friends that were like, "No, it's great, come play it." Yeah. 
And then like three weeks ago, I download this game and I cannot stop playing it now. It definitely scratches that MMO itch. I, I played WoW for a really long time. Um, I was a mage in WoW. I like I uh, was very confident in my DPS ability in raids. I, I like really prided myself on uh, you know being the top of the damage charts and all that stuff. So going into Destiny and seeing how similar it is, but not in a way... Wow, man, to get to that point in WoW, you just had to do so much. You had to get your stats at a very specific, hard-to-achieve level for every raid because if you're playing this class and this specialization, if you don't have a stat that is at least this number... You're you're worthless. Yep. You're not going to do as much damage. So you have to grind these exact pieces out, and you have to play every day so that you can max your blah blah blah. And Destiny, you do some of that stuff, but for the yeah. most part, if you understand how to be a raider and you understand mechanics and you follow instructions, you don't have to be the top of the damage charts. You just have to not stand in the fire. Yeah. You just be be present that's yeah. all i also think destiny does a really good job of making the minute to minute feel interesting because we've talked about this there is something that just feels right about the shooting in destiny oh yeah the, the it's made by bungie the same people that made halo and there is just something that just Shooting in Destiny feels good. Like, it feels good to, like, use all of the weapons that they have available there. It feels very, like, tactile and visceral, and it is, it's just, like, a good-feeling shooter. Very satisfying. Very satisfying. It also, like, I think it respects your time a lot. I think uh, there are places where you can get lost in for hours. There are, there are definitely things that you can grind for, and you can spend hours and Lots hours. Of but achievements. If you, but also, if you only have 30 minutes to play... There is a lot you could accomplish in those 30 minutes. You can do your pinnacles. You can do powerful gear. You can go run some strikes, play Gambit. There is so much to do, and you can still feel progression even by doing only a little bit, which I think is the mark of a good game. Is a game that doesn't force you to have to play 30 hours a week just to keep up. Right. It's hard to keep up with that grind, and then you get burnt out, Right. and then you get yourself in a place where you're like, I don't really want to be playing this game, but, but if I, I don't get my dailies done, I'm not right. going to have this thing done in time. No, you don't have to do that. You log in when you want to log in and you play the game. Yep. Uh, another side recommendation that I actually decided that I have. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's October. I like to watch spooky things in October, and I just watched a movie called It Follows. Uh, trigger warning is that it is... Um, a movie that involves sex as a plot point. Um, so if that's not your jam, maybe it's not for you. But um, I say trigger warning. There's no like malicious sex acts in that movie. Great. That's good. Uh, but it is a horror movie that sex is a main part of the plot. And it is very unsettling. Uh, it's one of those movies that... Um, Basically, the the plot synopsis, without spoiling anything, is that there is a there's a demon that follows you, and it does not. It can only it walks very slow, and it always is moving at you at all times. And if it catches you, it's like it's like that that meme where like there's a snail and it's always coming at you, and if it touches you, you die. Can you outrun the snail? That is the the plot of the movie. Um, uh, but sex is involved. Um, so it's kind of a strange concept, 
But the whole movie is just very unsettling because the demon just kind of takes the form of whatever human and human it wants to at the time. And so in the background of this movie, constantly you just see people walking toward the camera and you don't know if those people are the demon or they're extras in the background, just walking kind of in the direction of the camera. So basically at any moment you're like, the demon is coming. Oh my God, the demon is going to catch her. The demon is right there. And then it's not the demon or it is the demon. I don't know. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's a pretty good movie. Um, And what's interesting about it to me is it came out, I think in like 20, 13, 14, 15, I don't know, mid 2010s. And it definitely has an indie movie vibe. Like the way that it's shot, the way that the scenes go from one to the next, it definitely feels like an, I don't say this in a rude way. Like it seems like a little amateur in that way, but it is put together in such a way that is very artistic so it works really well for the movie they're trying to present. Anyway, I do recommend the movie. Uh, I think it's about an hour and a half, and it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you can watch It Follows um, and enjoy being creeped out for about an hour and 15 minutes straight. You get like a few minutes of, I don't know what's going on yet. So it's fine. <laughs> nice. All right, take it away. <laughs> So it is October, and I have decided that all of my recommendations this month are going to be spooky scary. Skeletons? Perhaps. Send shivers down your spine. (laughs) So one of my favorite things, I love Halloween, and one of my favorite things about Halloween- It's freaking bats. It's freaking bats. I love Halloween. (laughs) Um, I I like to put together my, my Spotify Halloween playlist. So I have an album recommendation- it's an EP, I guess, technically. It's only five songs. It combines two of my favorite things, Halloween and 1970s Swedish supergroup ABBA. <laughs> um, they, have a, they have a Halloween EP? They don't, but Brian David Gilbert, who you may know as the former video editor of Polygon.com, who put out a lot of really funny, strange videos, uh, last October, he put out an EP of five songs. It's available on Spotify and YouTube. You can watch his videos on YouTube. And the EP is called ABBA. <laughs> and they are <laughs> ABBA songs as performed by various Halloween monsters and villains. <laughs> so, for example, the first song is called, oh, it's it's the song Lay All Your Love On Me as performed by Count Dracula, (laughs) and it's changed to Lay All Your Blood on Me. (laughs) And the song Gimme, Gimme, Gimme a Man After Midnight is sung by Dr. Victor Frankenstein. (laughs) So it's like, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme a Man After Midnight. Won't somebody come and help me dig up a grave? (laughs) It is excellent. It has surprisingly high production values. He's got an actually good voice. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, 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 like I said, Brian David Gilbert, you can look it up. I know it's at least on Spotify and on YouTube. Um, the song SOS, which happens to be my favorite ABBA song. Uh, I wasn't joking by the way. Uh, I think peaches you, was it you? I like ABBA. No, but I mean like at, at my wedding. So there's a, a family tradition, like in my family, for whatever reason, ABBA is always like a big deal when it places at a wedding. Huh. 
and Danny was talking to somebody at my wedding. It might have been Robbie. It might have been one of you. I don't remember. And um, Mama Mia came on, and he was in the middle of the conversation, and he immediately, I think, didn't even say anything. He just put his drink down and ran out to the dance floor. <laughs> I remember someone telling me this afterwards. Um, it is it is a family tradition, so we we love Abba. <laughs> we uh, I I've seen Mamma Mia on Broadway. I saw both Mamma Mias in theaters. Danny actually flew up north to be with family to see the Mamma Mia sequel in theaters with everyone. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this Halloween Abba. Um, like the song SOS sung by Captain Hook. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, so that's my spooky recommendation for, for this week. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MC retrospective. If you want to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Assembly Required. Join our patron-exclusive Discord. Come chat with us about uh, Destiny 2, maybe. Do it. Destiny huge, huge, huge shout out to our Avengers level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. If you want to email the show, you can do so. Assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Assemblycast. That's going to do it for myself, for Peaches, for Chris. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bobbly, bobbly. <laughs> <laughs>